0: Idolatry is a very serious matter. The Apostle Paul even says, they that practice idolatry shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What is idolatry? Is there any possibility that you are practicing idolatry without knowing it? I would say there's a very good possibility that Christians all over the world are practicing idolatry without knowing it. Several months ago, I began praying, what is idolatry? And God showed me. Idolatry is setting up anything that we can see with our natural eyes that is used in religion to make us think by the use of such we will get our prayers answered or making us think by these visible things that we will somehow connect with the Spirit of God. Something extremely shocking happened to me in late February of 2020. We have a house in Texas which I lived in which the ministry owns and when I moved to Colorado we put that house up for sale. It has not sold yet. We just learned this from our realtor. A Catholic woman who works for the realty company as an a realty agent went over to our house and put a statue of some kind in the flower bed in the back yard of the house and prayed over it praying for God to cause the house to sell that is idolatry being practiced at our house <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it's really kind of funny. I didn't get angry over it, but Pam, who uh, Pam Paget, who works with me in the ministry and does all of our technical work, she first learned from the realtor that this was going on, and Pam says, "No, no, no. Have that removed immediately. That's idolatry) <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it's just incredible that this could happen. Apparently, this Catholic woman felt she had to have this statue in order to pray to God. Isn't that pitiful? John chapter 4, what did Jesus tell us? Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well and Jesus said to her, John four twenty three twenty four, 24, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. When Pam told our realtor this was idolatry to set up this statue and pray, To this statue, in essence, praying to God through this statue, that's idolatry. The realtor said, oh, I've been a Methodist all my life. I had no idea that was an idol. She said, I thought it was just a symbol. She was so sorry that this had happened. She went over to the house immediately and removed this Catholic woman's statue from our backyard. Once again, I I know it's not funny, but I kind of laugh at it because it's just so ironical that it could happen. But it shows me how blind the church is today to the subject of idolatry. This is a very important subject. Do you know what the most widely violated thing is in the churches today concerning idolatry? You do it every Sunday probably. At your church. When they pass crackers and grape juice out. Calling it the Lord's Supper. Literally millions of people will do this this weekend. And never realize. Crackers and grape juice are not the Lord's Supper. The word of God is the Lord's Supper. This is a form of idolatry. They come away feeling so spiritual and so religious. When they eat a bit of that cracker and drink drink that grape juice. Several years ago, when I played bridge, on a Sunday afternoon, I went to the bridge center. I got to this woman's table, where me and my partner arrived at her table, and the woman, dreamy-eyed, said, Oh, I took communion this morning like she'd done some great thing. All she did was eat crackers and grape juice, has no power, none whatsoever. Power is in the word of God. I'll show you. My partner uh, at that day was a man. And this woman talked about taking communion at her church that morning. She went on to tell about her underwear and the color of her underwear with that man sitting at the table. I was so embarrassed. I was horrified. This woman would have been better off to have studied the Word of God where it says, avoid all appearance of evil, than to eat crackers and drink grape juice. For if you study that scripture, you have some power if you will do it. In 1980, I was on radio from coast to coast in the United States. During that time, God showed me that the Lord's Supper is partaking of the Word of God eating and drinking the scriptures, examining yourself by the scriptures, correcting your life by the scriptures, and living by the scriptures, that is eating and drinking the Lord's Supper. And it had nothing to do with crackers and grape juice. When I was shown that message, I decided I had to share it with the church on my radio broadcast. I really expected an uproar over that broadcast. Why? Those church people should have stormed at my house in anger if this Lord's Supper means anything to them. And why wouldn't it mean something to them? Their churches have set it up for them to do. Isn't it important? Well, apparently it wasn't very important to them. I was prepared for outrage from them, and no one even responded to the message. I couldn't believe it. Years after that, I often wrote that message when I was reminded of it and shared it on our blog and wrote it in books that are published on Amazon and shared the truth about the Lord's Supper No one ever expressed anger to me. It's like it didn't mean anything to the church. And yet they take it religiously on Sunday mornings and they sit there so somber and sad. Most of the time when God shows me a scripture, I'm anything but somber. I'm jumping up and down thrilled that he's shown me this scripture, which can help me. Why this Lord? Supper and crackers and grape juice has no power? None whatsoever. And yet they take it as a religious symbol, an idol. It is the, the biggest idol in the church today is the taking of what they're calling communion in the form of crackers, grape juice, usually crackers, grape juice. There may be some churches that use wine, But the churches I've been in have all used crackers and grape juice. It's done in the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches. And it's the biggest false idol in existence today. And to partake of this and think it's something religious is very sad. The word of God is the Lord's Supper the Holy Bible, and especially the portions of Scripture illuminated to us by the Spirit of God. That's God feeding us. John chapter 6 is filled with information about eating the body of Jesus and drinking his blood. And when he spoke it to the Jews, they were furious with him. And many of his followers left him when he spoke it. He said, I, the word, am the bread of life. John chapter 6 is just filled with information on this. Let's look at that for a moment. Starting in verse 31, the people said to Jesus, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then he said, uh, and then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I, the word of God, am the bread of life. Jesus, the word of God, is the bread of life. That's the Lord's Supper. You're going along and you don't know what to do about something, and you say to God, God. What should I do about this? And God, by His Spirit, brings an idea to your mind to show you what to do. That's the Lord's Supper provided by God through the Spirit of God who lives in us. So what do we do when we hear from God? We do what we hear to do. We believe it's God who has spoken to us, therefore we do what we hear to do we apply it to our lives in a proper way, therefore, we eat and drink the Word of God in a proper way. If you fail to eat and drink the Word of God in a proper way, you bringeth damnation to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body. You do not bring damnation to yourself through eating crackers and grape juice. I used to wonder as a young person, at, I went to Church of Christ occasionally with my aunt. They always had, so to speak, communion, mm-hmm. crackers and grape juice every Sunday morning. I was, it was explained to me that I couldn't partake of this because I wasn't a member of their church group. But I would see them bringing the trays down the aisle, and my aunt, I would watch her. And she would become so somber and serious. And I would see her take the plate that had the cracker and break off a little piece and put it in her mouth. And she was so somber. Now, this aunt was, I think, born again. I still think she was born again. She had some very strong experiences with God, which she told me about, later in my life. But she, in this action, was doing tradition of men in the churches. How, it says examine yourself. How do you examine yourself to see if you're worthy to partake of this cracker? How? I used to wonder. I would always think, I don't know how you do that. In First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, Examine yourself and so eat of that bread. Examine yourself. How? How, I would think. I never heard it explained how I could do this, and I would just fearfully sit there after I had been baptized. I was permitted to take this cracker and grape juice, but I would just sit there terrified. I don't know how to examine myself to see if I can take this. I always went ahead and ate it because everyone else did, but I sure didn't know what was going on. Well, I can tell you what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 11 because God showed me. Verse 27. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. What is the bread? What is the cup? Well, fleshly men by their own eyes set up crackers and grape juice. The bread is the word of God. The cup is the word of God. It's the blood of Jesus. What you do is you take the scripture that's given to you by the Holy Spirit, you eat that scripture, and you keep eating it until you can do it. Then you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you get every drop of blood that you can possibly get out of that scripture to apply the scripture to your own life. And that is the Lord's Supper. So what Paul is really saying here is let a man examine himself by the word of God, and as you read the word of God, correct your way. Eat it properly, drink it properly. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many die. For if we would judge ourselves we should not be judged. We judge ourselves by the word of God. There is no way you can judge yourself by crackers or grape juice. It's foolishness. Well that's one of the that's the biggest idol, the biggest single idol in the Christian churches today is what they call the Lord's Supper. A man in Lubbock told me about a church he thought I would really enjoy attending, and I was quite stirred up by what he said. So I picked up the phone after he left and called that church. I was going to speak with the pastor, and I had seriously hoped that I would be able to attend that church. I got a recorded message, and the first thing the message said is the times of our services From 9 to 10 a.m. Sunday morning, we have the Lord's Supper. I just hung up the phone. There's no way I could go to that church. I certainly do what Paul did with Timothy and say, I pray God will give you understanding on this subject. Please return with me for a moment to John 6, verse 36, Jesus said, excuse me, verse 35, I, Jesus, the Word, am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me, on the Word, shall never thirst. Now the Jews were very upset when Jesus said this to them. Then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned from the Father, from God, cometh unto me. God puts his word into our heart, and we come to Jesus. So Jesus says Verily, verily, I say unto you he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. I the word am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. The manna was you could see it with your natural eye. The things of God are spirit. They're spiritual. We hear from the Holy Spirit. We hear the word from the Holy Spirit. It comes to us in the form of a thought. That is the bread of God. That's the communion with God. That's the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, his word by the Holy Spirit, He shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See they had the same problem that these churches had in setting up crackers and grape juice. It's got to be something visible. It's like that woman putting a statue out in our backyard So they could pray to God. She couldn't pray to God without the statue. These are idols. Idols. Break away from these idols. You don't even know you're following idols, do you? Let's talk about some other idols in the churches today. A religious idol is anything that a church group sets up which they can see with their natural eyes and do with them, their natural eyes, thinking it is somehow religious, but it is not in the Holy Bible, things not in the Holy Bible New Testament. There's no such thing as crossing yourself in any context in the New Testament. It doesn't exist. It was set up by man, It is a form of letting you think somehow or other. It's like a good luck symbol. Like by doing this, I'm going to bring luck to myself through God. This is an idol. It's evil. Lighting candles with prayer or any other time as a part of religion. There is no such thing in the New Testament as using candles in connection with religion. It doesn't exist. Therefore, if you do it, you have fallen down before an idol set up by man. Using holy water to cross yourselves, as I've seen them do in movies at Catholic churches. Do you know what holy water was? It is in the Bible one time, and it's in the Old Testament. Holy water was used to examine a woman to see if she'd committed adultery. It was some type of bitter water. And if she drank it, and her stomach swelled, and her thigh rotted, she was guilty of adultery. But if she could drink this bitter water, which was called the water of the curse, if she could drink it and had no ill effect on her body, she was then proven not guilty of adultery. This is in the Old Testament. There's no such thing as holy water in the New Testament. To do that is to practice bowing down to some form of idol. I don't even know why they're doing it. They cross themselves. What are they doing? Are they think, do they think they're making themselves holy before they enter the sanctuary? Why do they do this? Do they even stop and think, why am I doing this? I see people all the time that don't even think, stop and think. They don't think, well, why am I doing this? They just do it like little rope objects because they were told by some religious person that this is what you do. Wearing crosses or religious medallions... In movies, you often see them take hold of the cross that they have around their neck for luck. Hold on to that cross. That's not the real cross. That's a man-made idol. Why do they wear a cross? I have no idea why anybody wears a cross. What are you trying to say by wearing a cross? Are you trying to say you're godly? Is that it? Well, if you are godly, you will speak the words of God. You will do the things of God, and they'll see you're godly because you're not like them. You're not going to be like them. But to wear a cross around your neck? This is some form of idolatry. And certainly, a medallion... I know the Catholics have something called St. Christopher, who's supposed to protect him and travel. I know... Someone has one in her car. This is idolatry. To think that you can trust a dead person. I assume this Christopher was somebody who lived once and is now dead and was made a saint. We are all saints who follow God. This is idolatry. Don't do those things. Think about what you do. If you're a Christian, think about those things. Think about the pagan acts. Did you know that Easter, Easter was set up in the 8th century, according to Unger's Bible Dictionary? Easter was set up by man in the 8th century. In the Bible, the word Easter is used one time. But it really means Passover. Herod was talking about he was going to have Peter killed after Easter. But that's really after the Passover. Stop and think. Wake up. Don't be as dead people. Praying to anyone other than God is a terrible sin. Praying to a dead person? Mary is dead. She has no power. She's asleep. When Jesus returns, she will awaken. Praying to anyone dead is ridiculous. It is God who watches over his children. If you are a child of God, stop this nonsense. You pray directly to God through Jesus Christ. And if you pray according to the will of God, God will answer your prayer. That's a promise of God. Recorded for us in 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, I believe it is. If you pray anything according to His will, that's the key on prayer. Praying according to the will of God. Another great big idol today is Christmas. Christmas is not mentioned at all in the Bible. People really worship Christmas. And Lent is a terrible thing. I know the Catholics and maybe the Lutherans and a few others have Lent, where you give up something once a year for God. I don't know exactly what they do it for. But Jesus is our sacrifice. He sacrificed for us. Setting up graven images is a horrible thing. The Catholics have graven images all over the place where people bow down in front of an image and recite certain words. Those are graven images A graven image is setting up statues in the church building and kneeling down before statues in religious ceremonies. There are 47 references in the Old Testament showing how God hates graven images and those who set up graven images, whether it be in their churches or their homes, are an abomination to God. And the holy people of those days were assigned to go in there and tear up those graven images and destroy them. And the kings frequently did that when they followed God. The people set them back up. There's a Baptist woman once who called me, wanting me to come to see the memorial she had set up to Jesus. I did not go see that. If you can see it with your natural eye, it's not religious. It is fleshly. We worship God in spirit and in truth, not in the flesh. Another big, 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 big idol in the churches is music. Music can be a wonderful thing when it's from the heart. But when it is entertainment and makes you feel religious, that makes you feel some fleshly feeling, That's not God. We have a hymn that we put on our blog every day. There's a different hymn. We have a piano playing the hymn so it can kind of lead you through the music of the hymn. Underneath the hymn on our blog, we print the words to the hymn, hoping that you will either sing along with the music or that you will just think of the words. For they will turn you to God. They will encourage you. A, well, this was a Catholic woman. She said to me, she heard that on our blog, and she said, Don't you have any people singing? I said, You're supposed to sing. This is to encourage you to sing from your heart. This is sort of a rinky-dink upright piano that we have on our blog. But that, to me, is very godly because it, it can lead you in the words and the music. But music is a very emotional thing that can lead your flesh without your even knowing it. And when you do it in a fleshly way, it's not spiritual. Every one of the scriptures that I have spoken to you today are printed out for you to see. If you will go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, and look under Podcast. Podcast is printed on the right-hand side of the home page. Click on the link under Podcast. It will take you to this message that I've recorded today if you will, it'll take you to the podcast and you need to click on Are You Practicing Idolatry without knowing it? And when you click on that, it will take you to this exact message that I've spoken today. You can listen to this message again if you care to do so. But underneath right underneath the broadcast on the page are printed all of these scriptures. Even if you don't rehear the broadcast, please go and look at all these scriptures. For they're the power of God when you apply them appropriately to your life. And in the meantime, I hope I have awakened some of you to the subject of idolatry that is being practiced today in the churches. I'm, I'm going to end with a, something that really, really, really astounded me a few years ago. This is not a religious subject, but it shows idolatry. I happened to be watching television, and I turned channels. And I came across the College World Series. Arkansas was one of the teams playing, and I watched for a few minutes, and then I saw something I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. The camera showed the fans of Arkansas and the dugout of Arkansas, and these people were wearing bananas on their head for luck. I I was just astounded. Bananas. Some were plastic bananas but a lot of them were wearing two or three real bananas on top of their heads. And when the baseball players would come into the dugout they took their cap off and put bananas on their heads. And of course the TV camera loved to show it because they loved to show stuff like this. And I was just Gasping. Bananas for luck? Well, I even kept track of that baseball game, though I'm not a baseball fan, to see who won the game. The other team won the game. It's incredible that after that you don't say, hey, those bananas didn't bring us any luck, did they? We lost. But they don't say that. Of course, if they're real bananas, I guess you could eat it as you were going home. It's like Dagon. Dagon was the god of the Philistines, and this is a tremendous story. Dagon, they had set Dagon, they set Dagon in this house because Dagon was a tree stump that they had carved out and made little arms and hands and legs, but he couldn't walk, he couldn't see, and he couldn't move. So they picked Dagon up and put him in this house of God, house of the Philistines, of their gods. Well, they captured the Ark of the Covenant in a battle, the Ark of God. They brought the Ark of God into the house of Dagon. The next day, they went into the house of God, house of Dagon, and Dagon was lying on the floor. So they set him up again. They picked Dagon up, and they set him back up on his little pedestal and left. The following day, they came in and Dagon was lying down on the floor and his hands, his palms of his hands had been cut off and his head had been cut off. So what did they say? Did they say, hey, this is foolishness. We're not going to worship a God who has no power. No, what they said is get rid of that ark of God because it's not good for our God Dagon. Well, that's the way, like, holding on to these idols. When you see they're an idol, get rid of them. Don't do it. Don't do that. Why would you ever click your glasses together at dinner with each other? What in the world are you doing as Christians? I don't do that. I Last time I was out, out in a restaurant, I was with a, a couple of women, and they picked up their glasses together clicked together, and I didn't make any effort whatsoever to pick up my glass. They just ignored me and clicked their glasses together. I'm not participating with them in this pagan foolishness. All of my fortune comes from God. I don't want it to come from the world. I don't want it to come from luck. I don't eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day with the world in the United States. This is what they do. My luck is going to come from God. I don't want the world's stuff. Don't do this stuff. Are you decorating graves at Memorial Day? Two Baptist women in Clovis, New Mexico were, and I said, what are you doing? Why are you going there and decorating a grave? What are you saying by doing this? What are you saying to the world? And they didn't know. It was just a pagan act that they've always done. One of them said to me, Well, it makes you feel kind of good. Well, it doesn't make me feel good. Why, well, I would be horrified. I'm a Christian. Christians don't live like the pagans, we don't do the same thing as the pagans do. I do want to encourage you to go to our blog and look at these scriptures. The blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure to put the word exhortation on it. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney, and I do thank you for allowing me to speak this message to you today.